Hello and welcome to the Care It Out Sleep Show, a podcast for tired parents who are searching for a bit more sleep the caring way. I'm your host, Kerry Secker, infant sleep consultant, founder of my unique sleep approach, Care It Out, and your caring sleep supporter. I really hope you'll join me on my mission to get small to settle night's sleep without the tears, training, or techniques. I love talking about sleep and I can't wait to share my sleep subjects with you. My approach to getting you more sleep is simple, straightforward, but above all, it's got to make sense and feel best for you. Ready to get more sleep? Then let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Carrot Out Sleep Show. I hope you're all really well, whether you are picking up this podcast for the first time or you're a seasoned sleep stalker and have listened to every single episode out there. I really hope you find this um, podcast useful, informative and reassuring as always. And today I've got a guest on the show. Her name is Lucy Neary from The Early Years Dietitian. And we today, the both of us are going to be talking all about the relationship between food and sleep. Hi, Lucy. How are you? Hi, Kerry. I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very, very well there. I always get a little bit giggly and a bit tongue-tied when I have to introduce a guest. I don't know that it's pathetic. I don't know why. <laughs> but how are you? Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come and talk to us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. It's been a uh, it's been a long time, hasn't it? Actually, since we've caught up, um, I've been looking forward to it. Actually, I feel like there is so much for us to talk about. So yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah, Lucy, I love you. I mean, we go back a long way. Lucy, if any of you've been following me for a while, you'd know that I did. I used to be have a radio show on UK Health Radio. That's going back some years ago now. That's crazy. And you came on to do a a show there. I did, yes. Gosh, feel that feels like for it feels like another lifetime ago, doesn't it? Actually, it must be a good two. To, it must be a good two to three years. But it's still out because yeah. I had to look. I was looking at something today, so it's still out there. But I'm very, yeah. We go back a long way. I love your whole approach, Lucy, to food, eating, diet. I absolutely love it, and really, really looking forward to talking today. I've got a massive long list. You'd be pleased to know. But before we crack on, tell it's us a little bit about. Sorry, say that again. It's a mutual love, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, I love a bit of lady love. Um, before we go on to answering all the questions and going through everything, tell us a little bit about yourself, Lucy, and tell us about the early years dietitian. So I, I, I am obviously Lucy. I am a paediatric dietitian. And honestly, I think anyone that knows me well knows that this is my perfect job. I absolutely adore what I do. Um, I am a mum of three, so I've got a stepdaughter and two children, and I work in the NHS. So I work with lots of children, all kinds of different things. So what, lots and lots of childhood nutrition in the hospital. And yes, I also run the Early Years Dietitian. So I do weaning workshops I do work with lots of fussy eaters and problem feeders I work with children with growth issues so yeah and I do sort of lots of social media and helping people in that way and I've got loads of stuff coming actually I'm doing lots of studying at the moment so I'm studying all around really sort of extreme picky eaters and eating disorders in children so I've got lots of exciting stuff that's going to kind of launch over the next couple of months which will be good 
Oh, that sounds really exciting. And I'll be definitely tapping into your wealth of knowledge there, Lucy. And I just want to say big up for the per- for having the perfect job as well. I think it's so important. It's so lovely when you feel that you are doing the perfect role for you. And I feel exactly the same. My job brings me so much job joy every day. It gets it sort of gets me out of bed and I love it. Yeah. And do you know what? It feels like a real privilege as well. Like I'm so aware of how lucky I am to have found something that fits me so well. So, yeah, it's yeah, it's a joy, actually. I love it. Yeah, I get that, too. Well, before and what I will do is at the end or on the show notes, I will put on Lucy's um, Instagram. I will put all the links to go how to go and find her and how to access her amazing recourse uh, resources. But let's crack on. What would you like to talk about first, Lucy? Um, I guess just well I suppose for me a bit of an introduction really is to start and then I guess thinking about your questions that for me what I really want us to do today is kind of give parents reassurance in a way because so much stuff I mean you you know sleep is your area so but so many of the parents I speak to they have so many worries about what they're doing with food what they're doing with milk feeds and if there's something that they're doing that is affecting sleep so I think you know I just want to start by saying yes there are lots of things to think about and we're obviously going to talk them through today but actually I kind of want mums especially but parents to have a reassurance that not everything is food related and I think sometimes people spend a long time on trying to unpick that they're doing something and actually a lot of the time they can't find it because it isn't there if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense to me. And uh, that's one of the many things I love about you, Lucy, again. But one thing that I want parents to get out of anything I put out there, whether it's these podcast content, it's I'm it's always reassurance. I am here for it all. It's all about reassurance with me. And I completely um, agree to that quite often. I call it clutching at sleep straws. You might have a word that you use it for your own, but quite often um parents get really focused down on looking for something like in the with the food with the overtiredness with naps whatever you're looking at and really pick that apart to see what is going on with the sleep and it's normal it's telling a parent not to worry it's like telling me not to eat cake it's it's never going to happen never going to happen um but and it's normal to, to try and look for something but I completely agree with you sometimes that answer isn't there and also it's when it comes to sleep it isn't just it's like most things infant related it isn't just one small thing it's it, an unsettled night's sleep is built up on lots of different layers and there's very rarely one reason why they are waking up at night time and it's really interesting because everybody usually wants to tell me about their food journey or how they're eating and I do ask because if I'm sure we'll get on to it but if they um if they're everything is linked for infants so food diet going to the toilet pooping sleep behavior as you know Lucy and if one of those gets knocked off it has a knock-on impact on everything else it's like a domino impact um but it's for me it's really important to look at everything all together um and sorry go on no, I'm just, I'm agreeing. Absolutely. You kind of, you have to look at the full picture, don't you? And it's when you start unpicking that you discover, aha, here's yeah. 
here's what we're looking for yeah yeah I love those aha moments and it's often a massive shock to parents when I don't ask for a food diary where I when I don't pay too much attention to food because believe it or not food is the very last reason I would look at behind an unsettled night's sleep it, it plays a part because everything's linked but it's not going to be the number one reason behind an unsettled night's sleep does that make sense yeah and you know what I was just gonna say I'm so happy to hear that you do not ask for a food diary because it like you say it's it's it is the last thing that you would look at generally if you've got a yeah. child it's stressful Lucy it's for parents when they've reached out for support and I'm sure you find it with the families you work with you're already tired you're already at that point where the the panic is at its peak or the worrying is becoming a bit all-consuming so getting them to really focus down on something can keep a diary I don't ask them to keep a food diary I don't ask them to keep a sleep diary either believe it or not um it's so very rarely needed Focusing too much on the tiny details, I think sometimes reinforces parents' anxieties. Because, for example, if you send out a food diary, what does that tell those parents? If they weren't thinking about food, now all of a sudden they're thinking, oh my God, food's linked. And then it's another. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It's important to look at everything all together. And that often does become, that's often quite a bit of a shock. Parents are very keen, especially the sleep. They want to tell me what's going on at night time to the exact hour, how long they're awake for. But actually that's a symptom of something that's going on in the setup. It's not actually the reason why they're up at night. Uh, Fascinating. Exactly the same for me, to be honest. I think sometimes parents are surprised when, with the types of questions that I'm asking them, and they're kind of like, why is this relevant? And it's like, Oh, yeah so yeah. yeah yeah I'd love to see your thought I do ask some really interesting questions like child's personality yeah. um, birth pregnancy and partly it is because I'm really nosy and I do like to know everything but it also it's really insightful it really helps me get to know you and sometimes these things can these tiny little things can make a big difference absolutely yeah definitely I forgot where we were going with that, Lucy. What were we going to We were doing an introduction. <laughs> oh, about how food is not always, it's important not yeah. to always focus too much on it. I think you were just going to start firing questions at me. <laughs> <laughs> so I just go for it. I like the idea of just firing questions. Um, how, how important is, like, we know food and sleep is, 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 linked and related like we were saying earlier like sometimes if I've been to the gym or I've been for a run I've not eaten like I wake up starving the next day or I can't sleep I wake up at 4am because I'm hungry so we know there is a it's all linked and there's a relationship but just how important is that is food when it comes to sleep um okay so there's kind of different ways of thinking about it. And as always, it's going to vary from child to child. OK, so I think if you were just saying to me, like you are a blanket, how important is food and sleep? I would probably say not hugely, hugely important. I think often parents put more emphasis on it than I ever would, for example. And when it comes to things like um, children not sleeping, for example, if we're thinking about, um, you know, infants and toddlers not sleeping, a lot of times parents attribute that to are they eating enough? 
And what I do see a lot is parents kind of pre and they're speculating, basically. So I will parents might be giving, you know, really big bedtime snacks, still giving lots of milk in toddlerhood, for example. And I will say, oh, how come you're doing that? And they'll say, oh, because if I don't do it, they'll wake up. And when I say, well, have you ever not given it? And they're kind of like, well, no, I haven't done that. And we sort of discuss the fact that actually there's probably not a link. Um, when it comes to infants, sometimes it is important. So there would be different ways that might affect children sleeping. And that would be for me personally, if I'm working with children, infants that have reflux, for example, that might have a big impact on their sleep. If we were thinking about children with food allergy, you know, things like that, where if the food is going to cause some kind of symptom or some kind of upset, then yes, the sleep would maybe be affected and the food would be important. But for your average infant and child that has no kind of medical issues, no reason for that food to give them any problems, then actually I would not relate the food to the sleep as much as lots of parents tend to. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I do wonder where that obsession, like, I hear it all the time in parenting communities and from parents. Like, we've got to stuff them during the day, stuff, 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 stuff. It's, it's because they're not eating enough, they've not had enough dinner. Like, where does that come from? So, do you know what? So, I was actually just going to come on and say this. So, there is there is a link between, so if we kind of take it right back to the beginning and as humans and so babies and children, particularly children under about the age of five are very, very good at regulating their own intake, okay? And we know that babies know how much food they need, okay? And they regulate their intake over about a week or more maybe. So babies do drink milk to their own appetite. So it stands to reason that if they're not eating enough during the daytime, they are going to wake up more at night. Okay, so yeah. that kind of that message, obviously, kind of in some ways gets put across, um, and it is left over from just you know things that we used to do a long time ago. But if we flip that on its head completely and say that actually we know that the vast majority, so in the UK, for example, we, we look at it every year and last year, 79% of parents were overfeeding their children. So although, yes, we know that if you don't eat enough in the daytime, you may be more likely to wake up at night. We also know that there are very, very, very few children that that would be applicable to because mm -hmm. most children are eating enough. And then from a sleep point of view, we also know that even the babies that um, feed more in the daytime and then don't wake up, uh, that then don't need to feed at night. What the research shows us is those babies don't feed at night, but they still wake up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's again it's kind of okay yes so we can say that if a baby gets enough energy throughout the daytime they may not need feeding at night but yeah they're going to wake up anyway and that's that's what the research shows us so it's again it's kind of is it something that parents need to worry about probably not yeah no it makes sense and I think it is a bit of a balance like if they are there's a bit of food FOMO during the day which is really common from four months as you probably know um like, and I'm talking about milk feeds and they're not having the feed yeah. during the, the feed during the day, then that can have a knock on impact at night time because then they'll want to feed more at night time. But it's I don't 
it'd be interesting to hear your take on it, but I don't believe that you can, they've only got a certain, their stomach only has a certain capacity during the day. So we can't stuff them to make sure that that's going to prevent wake ups at night time, if that makes sense. Absolutely. No. And you know what? It's so important that we feed infants and children to their own appetite and you know whether you're breastfeeding or you're bottle feeding I mean breastfeeding you absolutely can't you know I say force feed but you know what I mean kind of encourage more than a baby wants to with bottle feeding there's a tendency to kind of if a baby has not taken the amount that they usually do to keep going back to it you know kind of all the time once that bottles to get it in and actually I would encourage you know all the parents that are listening to say actually once your baby has said you know what I'm I'm full I don't want it anymore just get rid of that milk and don't keep going back to it because you know when you finish your dinner if half of it is left you don't keep going back over the next hour and going <laughs> I get this in I need to get this in most people yeah don't. god that's so true Lucy and it's and that's really you know we have to think about it in that way and, and when we encourage babies to overeat um what happens is we have very very clever like mechanisms in our bodies hormones and all kinds of things which i'm not going to get very technical about but that basically tell us when we're full and if parents start overriding those signals um babies get less good at doing it and children get less good at it and so therefore what we then end up with is a child who doesn't know when they're full and they then become an adult who can't regulate their intake and they just eat and eat and eat until they're bursting um yeah so, you know, it's it's just so much about starting as you mean to go on, worrying, yeah. you know, trying not to speculate, well, that's going to happen if I don't do this. And just being led by the babies, which is, you know, what we ideally should be doing with so many things. Yeah, it's hard not to preempt, though, isn't it? Especially when it's the thought of your sleep being interrupted. It really is. Yeah. But it's, you know, and even if you... What I, so the way I kind of always explain it is if, especially if you're doing something to preempt. So, for example, something like dream feeding would be a classic example of this. And I know for uh, for lots of parents, dream feeding works really well and it's not a right or wrong thing. But what I would say is with anything like that, and it's the same with if you know ch- people have got slightly older children who are having a snack is, you know what, if you're just in the habit of doing it, stop doing it for a week does it actually make any difference mm-hmm. and if it doesn't, then stop doing it because that child actually isn't asking for that food it's just yeah. being given it so yeah makes total sense and from a sleep perspective overfeeding them it's a bit of a, a double-edged sword because you're doing you're preempting it to prevent wake-ups from happening but actually then they are in digestive discomfort if they've got reflux it can cause reflux to flare and then that can have an impact on sleep as well so that um, is something to bear in mind. Yeah, totally. And also from a sort of, for me, from a parent point of view, this is nothing to do with sort of science and evidence. But, you know, if you've got a child, if you've got a baby and you've really overfed them and then they wake up because they're uncomfortable. And like you say, maybe it's triggered their reflux because that is so volume led. Yeah. And then baby in the night who's wide awake and uncomfortable and doesn't want milk because they're overfull and they're uncomfortable and therefore you're probably one of your main ways of getting them back to sleep you know so it's yeah you're kind of causing a problem aren't you when you don't need to I suppose but yeah I'm also you know I'm a I always come at this stuff from a realistic point of view as well because you know I have children of my own and I know that so many of the things that I probably thought oh I wouldn't do that I was doing so you know it's you you do what you've got to do to survive don't you sometimes so yeah yeah I love I love that you keep it real I think it's so important for other parents to see 
other people sharing that and, and being honest and upfront. I think it's really important. And what I found really interesting, actually, is touching very briefly on the dream feed. I, again, there's no right or wrong on my approach. I'm, that really is the very heart of care, the core of care it out. So having a dream feed isn't, I don't think there's right or wrong. If it works for you, carry on. But I've never use a dream feed as a strategy at night time i don't think i've ever ever said to a parent um let's introduce a dream feed which is really and i hadn't thought about it until you said the dream feed but when you said then i was like Do you know what i don't ever suggest if they you if they have a dream feed already and it's yeah. working for them probably wouldn't change it if they were asking me whether they wanted to introduce it then i i would say no and I, for me, it's about making sure we were always listening to what the baby wants. Does that make yeah. sense? And if they're not waking up for it, then they, as far as I'm aware, that they don't need it. But I've never really, it wasn't until you said that, that it clicked in, in it clicked with me there, why I don't, I don't suggest the dream feed. I've, and I'm exactly the same. So if someone's doing it, I won't say, oh, you must take it away. But I would never say to someone, lots of people ask me, oh, should I be doing a dream feed? And yeah. Because no, <laughs> your baby's yeah. not waking food yeah yeah I'm exactly I'm exactly the same that's really interesting I might even do a post on dream feed because I've never I've never really thought about that it sounds ridiculous I've never really thought about it in that much detail oh my god that like blows my mind no I just because I, I would like it food it is important but it's not that I like I don't use night weaning as a strategy I don't use spacing feeds at night time I, ju I just it's so very rare that I would get like that into the nitty-gritty of it yeah but it makes I, sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I might even do one as well, you know, because I'm saying, oh, you've never done one, but I've never done one either, actually. Yeah, maybe we can do a post together. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's do yeah, it. Let's do it. And then you did mention it before. This is I must get this question asked every single day on the daily. Someone will ask me, is there a difference between a breastfed baby and a bottle fed baby or the way they sleep? Um. So, so um, there is a slight difference in the way they sleep, but um, the reason I think most parents ask this question, so I'm going to kind of reframe the question if you don't mind, is yeah. what the reason most people ask me is, or would come and ask about it, is because they want to know if um, formula-fed or breastfed babies sleep more. And I know that certainly I come across lots of people that are questioning it because they're maybe being told oh the reason your baby doesn't sleep is because they're breastfed and blah 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 and you know and that is a real massive bugbear of mine that I think everyone should do what they want to do and it doesn't matter whether you choose to breastfeed or uh, formula feed but it should be your choice and you should not be made to feel like what you're doing is wrong and so the there's a kind of misconception that formula fed babies sleep longer and better and actually what the research shows us that Yes, formula fed babies do tend to sleep for longer periods of time without waking, but when they do wake, they're awake for longer than breastfed babies. So actually, when you look at the research and you unpick what's actually happening, yes, they sleep slightly differently, but they are actually not awake for, they're not sleeping for longer. So actually, it's kind of swings and roundabouts. The No, the research doesn't show us whether one is that breastfed or bottle fed babies are sleeping for longer than each other. They just possibly have slightly different sleep patterns. And also, you know, it's about remembering that, you know, all these babies are different. And, you know, some, there's so many variables, you know, it's there's so much more to it than is that 
breast milk or is it formula milk when you put everything else together you know some parents find different things but no when you ask that question kind of as it is no there is not really yeah. a difference I think that's a fab answer and I love you for saying that that it's the most important thing is finding something that works for you and from a sleep perspective I have worked with it, it I, I haven't seen any different any difference between the two I've worked with breastfed babies that sleep through the night or they just wake up for the feeds they need to do at their biological best and I've worked with bottle fed babies formula fed babies who they're up long chunks of time really super frequent wake-ups at night time yeah. um, it works both ways and for me it always depends on the baby yeah exactly exactly I think we're just going to keep coming back to this aren't we <laughs> I'm going to get a t-shirt printed it depends on the baby yes <laughs> so all the time but it's so true and it comes back to again that it's food it I keep saying it it, it plays a, a small part but it won't be in the nitty-gritty of why your baby is up like having a parent yeah. party for having a split night not napping or having frequent wake-ups at night time yeah really important one another question I get asked a lot of questions Lucy but I'm sure you probably do too is when is the best age to drop night feed, night feeds and when to wean um okay so yeah yeah I am going to definitely start this question with it's going to depend on the baby <laughs> so um <clears throat> okay so I think the first the other thing to say about this as well and I know this is all the thing that you say so this the night feeds is like everything else that it's for me it's only a problem if it's a problem so yeah. if a parent has a baby that is feeding in the night still and the parents are not bothered about that the baby is quite happy the baby is growing well etc etc then I see no reason to stop those night feeds because there is no reason to stop them however if you've got a baby that is still waking at night lots the parents are really stressed by it or whatever is happening and you know the parents choice they want to wean the baby off then you know that's an entirely different thing so there's a few things to think about so first of all I would say that the NHS kind of what they kind of their stance on it so the kind of guideline I guess of what we'd say is you wouldn't really think about doing it before six months and the kind of it's a really fluffy um phrase that they use that you know a six to 12 month baby may need milk at night they may not and by that what do we read into it that I guess what I've already said you know if you feel that you really need to wean the night feeds off then you can do it's really important you think about other things as well so you know when you might need to consider are things like is your baby growing well if you've got a baby that is perhaps not growing as they should they're not following their growth curve it's maybe possible that they do still need those night feeds so I would say don't start weaning them off then if you've got a baby you know are they eating well during the daytime so we've already said that you know if you've got a baby that doesn't eat well during the day actually that might be why they're having more milk at night um from a breastfeeding point of view it's you know we would always say just breastfeed on demand so you know that it's fine to wean off if that's what you want to. I, what I find in my experience, and I don't know about the same with you, is that when people are talking about weaning off night feeds, it's more often bottle feeding that they're trying to kind of wean down. I don't know if that's your experience. I actually find it more the other way. <laughs> okay, that's fine. So, so I guess the um, so if I so with the breastfeeding, it's you know it's all the same thing. It's you know you're fine to wean it off any time from six months, providing that your baby is 
growing well, eating well in the daytime, etc. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about how you necessarily would wean that down. Um, and where I've just totally lost my train of thought then. Um, so and then I guess, you know, it's talking about and these would be the things that you would be thinking about is, you know, sometimes the night feeds is it's not about the hunger. So they're not necessarily waking because they're hungry, but parents are using the feeding to get them back to sleep. And it is two quite different things. You know, one one is, OK, are they waking because they're hungry? And, you know, sometimes we can unpick that. Um, and if it is or they're waking up naturally anyway and we're feeding them to get them back to sleep, then it's thinking about, you know, why are they waking? And, you know, all sorts of things, I guess. It's, yeah. you know, are they disturbed? Is it the temperature of the room? Are they not following your nap gaps, Kerry? Um, you know. <laughs> But then it is thinking about, you know, is there something else that's affecting them why they need that milk at night time? And it may well be, you know, if you've got a baby that's got uncontrolled reflux, they're going to be waking up much more. And often reflux babies want to feed more because that soothes, you know, if they've got pain, it's quite soothing whilst they're drinking. It then causes more problems afterwards. Um, But so, yeah, so the answer to the question is, and was the original question, when do they need to? Um, It's kind of, it's going to be led by the baby basically in that you know and if we kind of look at the stats I suppose like the studies on how you know children do sleep I think you know only about 50% of babies at kind of five six months are doing an eight hour stretch and actually I think by a year there's still only 75% of babies that are sleeping kind of an eight hour period across the night so you know babies just wake up so much don't they naturally so it's just about understand trying to pick apart you know is that baby waking because they're hungry or can they be soothed in another way and in which case if they can yes drop the knife feeds yeah I think that's a fantastic answer and it's really similar to mine I'm always going to reassurance first always going to push that message that feeds at night time can never be a wrong thing to do or a bad habit if you're happy your baby's happy you're you know it's working for them you don't need to night wean until you are ready and then if if you do want to wean um I would always recommend waiting at least until they're on three you know they're, they're getting enough during the day so ideally it's not about how much they eat but the three meals have been established because chances are once that happens that can have an impact on the night feeds anyway but interrupt and tell me if I'm completely wrong I was going to say that yes it is once babies are on three meals a day the thing is we don't generally you know we call it weaning and it's confusing because weaning means taking something away if we talk about complementary feeding we complement the the milk with the feed and in general we don't start to see babies starting to drop their milk really before about nine months of age so but we do tend to see when it does start dropping often it is the night because they're not waking up for it you know it's there's so many variables you know like we've said how you know how much milk do they take each time how big are they are they going through a growth spark Mm you know are they eating well and and I guess the other thing while we're on the milk at night time is dropping milk is not linear it doesn't always go down exactly and stay down you know some babies will drop milk at night and then they might go through a growth spurt and their body's telling them you know what we need extra and they'll wake up at night again for a couple of weeks and you know 
And then I would say, if your baby's waking up and you're kind of thinking, you know what, I think they're hungry, go back to giving them milk because, you know, a couple of weeks later, I think Woody did it actually, my youngest, at around 13 or 14 months. We all of a sudden had like three weeks where he just went back and he had a bottle halfway through the night. Yeah. And then, you know, it's just, it's always listening to your baby and thinking, yeah. okay, um, you know, it's, and so many things are short term, aren't they? That Yeah everything's temporary Lucy thank you so much for saying that because there is so much pressure on parents to get babies sleeping through the night and dropping their night feeds and I'm seeing this early and early and earlier like parents get in contact with them at three four five six seven weeks old like they're they're still waking up for a feed and it, it breaks my, and it's not their fault it's just that we've got this really wildly unrealistic expectations of babies they're behaving like babies they they need feeds at night time in the beginning yeah. Um, and if that, that pressure makes parents feel like they're doing something wrong if their baby's waking up to have a feed or they're not sleeping through. And I again, I see parents do this. They tie themselves up in knots about, you know, getting to a certain amount of um, a sleep stretch or sleeping a certain hours at night time by a set age or dropping feeds. So thank you so much for saying saying that, that, that that's, um, the need for a feed at night time isn't linear because... Yeah. I need people I say all the time and hearing it from somebody a professional such as yourself it's so important that parents hear that because it is really important like feeds that quite often um parents are that they want their babies to feed it and I get it because we all like consistency that they're going to wake up you know that they're going to get to a certain amount of number of feeds at night time and it's going to stay there or they're going to feed at a set time at night time and it's not going to deviate but babies aren't like that life isn't like that and it is completely normal for them to go for their feeds to be inconsistent at night some babies will fit some babies are like clockwork and they will wake up at set times for feeds but that's definitely for some not many and for for many it's completely normal to feed at 10 p.m one night and 3 3 a.m the next it's completely normal and the other thing is it's normal for their feeds to it's not linear like they might completely wean for a little bit then go back to it the number of feeds might um, move around so I hand on heart know Lucy that somebody listening today will fight will will have needed to have heard heard that heard that And and you know what, Kerry, the thing is, and I always, 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 so much of what I talk to about parents, I always say, let's think about you. And and if we think about it like that, yeah, and we think, how are we as human, you know, as adults, some days I'm absolutely starving, yeah, Yeah. and I'll wake up and I eat, you know, a massive breakfast, and then I'll be thirsty in the day and I'll find, oh my God, I'm drinking loads today, and then I might take a drink to bed with me because I'm thirsty, and I might wake up in the night time and drink. And then other days I'll get up and I'm like, I'm not hungry today. I'm not going to have breakfast. And I might get fined. I, mean, I know it's really naughty and I'm a dietitian and I shouldn't. But I'll get to lunchtime and I'll think, oh, God, I haven't even had a drink. And that's because my body is telling me you need more today or you need less today. And yeah. it's so important that we understand that that's how it works. And allowing your baby to do that and by listening to your baby you are actually doing them the you're doing the right thing so yeah absolutely you know it's it's about listening to them and yeah it's not it's never going to be the same every day for no. most people anyway but why do we if you can see me out I'm literally grinning from ear to ear like yes 
definitely <laughs> like pumping the air like it's just so refreshing to hear somebody say that like so refreshing and yeah we just expect ourselves we're human beings like we expect ourselves to be have bring the same amount of energy and the same appetite and the same mood every day where like earlier before for instance I was literally about to chuck my laptop out of the window and then some days I'm, I'm calm as can be like we're all we di- we're different every day and that's okay yeah exactly yeah no and it's so lovely to have this conversation and I yeah it's it's nice to know that because this one of like my main messages and I know it is for you as well that yeah it's and it takes pressure off of parents doesn't it to be able to say you know what it's absolutely fine that your baby doesn't do what baby does yeah yeah they don't do what the books say or they're not they're not I, I always like to say they're not baby robots <laughs> that's what I always say yeah they're not robots they don't they're not fit. robots I mean I've never fitted in a box in my entire life so I would never ever expect anybody else to to be honest so yeah me too Lucy me too and it's it, it is completely the same the other day I woke up at 3am in the morning starving well, it was quite a long time ago because when the gym was open and it's because I'd absolutely whipped it on the battle ropes and I hadn't eaten mm-hmm. enough so we're all the same we're all the same two really quick questions before you go because I know I am taking up a lot of your time and these are quick ones what's the best time for dinner should there be a set amount of time afterwards and any particular foods to avoid at dinner um oh no do you know what and this is something I do get asked as well and I always hate the answer because it's just a in that there isn't really any set right or wrong. There's not a kind of, you know, oh, you really shouldn't be giving dinner within, you know, an hour of going to sleep. Because, you know, if we flip it to the daytime, probably parents are not worrying about, oh, they've had lunch, I'm putting them down for a nap. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. it's the same thing, nothing bad is gonna happen. Unless, of course, you do have a baby that does struggle with, you know, it comes again, but something like reflux where, you know, we would say keep them upright for, you know, that's with a milk feed. But yeah, no, there is, you know, some babies. The other thing I would say is people often answer the, ask this question. And what I do say is, well, what time is your bedtime? You know, if your baby's getting ready and starting to go to bed and then you lay them down at about seven, you know, most babies want to be eating their food by somewhere around five ish if not a little bit earlier for some babies so you know if we feed babies at the dinner times that usually parents are feeding them at and if that's like five half five and then you kind of start bath time at half six then that would be absolutely fine there's there's really no right or wrong with it again it's about you know if you notice that it's causing a problem feed them a bit earlier but no I've, I've never really come across babies that are struggling because parents are feeding them too close to bedtime and no I haven't either <laughs> problems yeah yeah it's another one that we speculate that there's going to be a problem yeah um, and did you say are there certain foods yeah um again that would be a no so unless you have um you know i mean i'm going to use allergies it's a terrible example because if you know your child's got an allergy you're clearly not going to give them that food um reflux is again a slightly different kettle of fish in that um you know you may find there's certain foods that trigger your baby's reflux and therefore you know if you've given them you might find that your baby's more unsettled and more uncomfortable during the night but actually there's tons and tons of stuff online about 
reflux foods that you should and shouldn't be happen having but actually the research really just shows us that it's very very individual so it may well be that you kind of know your child's triggers in which case I would say yeah you know you wouldn't be giving those at dinner time but you know please I can't stress enough to parents that are listening to say please don't go online and just print off a list of foods that is going to cause a problem of reflux because you know all these all babies are different and some babies will be able to tolerate things that others can't and you know actually we know that sometimes foods improve reflux so no it's about understanding your baby actually and unless there is a problem like that absolutely not there's nothing that's kind of off limits at dinner time you know other than a coffee I suppose but you know <laughs> or a chocolate bar filled with coffee or too close to bed as I did last night yeah, so no, no, there's not. And, and, and in some ways, I know parents like that answer. And in other ways, I know they don't because they're like, oh, I wish they like people like the security of like a something they can do, don't they? But no, yeah. I think it's partly we like a plan. People like a plan and that being in control about it. And yeah. I completely, I completely agree. Uh, I never, ever really looked at the time that they're having dinner. Unless they were, ha- I like to say, unless they were having a full, like, three-course meal with lobster, petty fours, like, <laughs> two hours before bed, which, you know what, we laugh, but some smalls probably are having that, then oh. I would cause, have a little bit of a break. And again, if there's reflux or there was foods we know cause a little bit of digestive discomfort, then I would be avoiding yeah. them. Yeah. And, and yeah, you know, we do laugh and I do I do come across lots of children that are having their dinner at 10 o'clock at night because they're not going to bed early. But, you know, that's not about what the food is. That's much more about mm, maybe we should change the routine anyway um, yeah. and get them into a better routine. But yeah, it's. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I could talk to you all day, Lucy. I've got so many ideas for future podcasts or posts Yay! if you're up for it. I'd love to do oh, one. Well. I know we've talked about it before, a reflux one. Definitely. Um one that I hear all the time is parents are obsessed with wind, like getting wind oh. out of their babies. They're waking up because they're farting. And it's you know what, in some cases it, it there is trapped wind there and that is excruciating and I am talking from personal experience there um it does it's really it's so sore isn't it so sore um but wind isn't it's it's normal and our digestive system knows what it's doing and it's normal for tummies to gurgle and and pass wind and pump at night and do all of those things so I think that would either be a really nice post in a podcast a reflux one and then also just exploring bits that we I think this has been I've definitely learned loads Lucy and I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing it with us it's lovely it's just so refreshing and so lovely to find another professional with the same but we're very we do both do very different things but ultimately we're both about reassuring parents in like confident parent looking out for them getting it to work for you it's so lovely yeah I love it yeah no it's not we we're very aligned in our values aren't we it's nice I love it definitely and it's so nice and I know hands down this will have helped some people listening today like just letting go of that food and sometimes just letting go of things yes it's not going to make you any less tired as a parent or less frustrated but it can go such a long way you can stop worrying about the food Uh, yeah I do so much work with parents just literally around dealing with their kind of anxieties because we know so much that the anxieties actually can fuel you know the feeding behaviors and things so it's, yeah. it's so important that we reassure parents and yeah and 
help them understand that you know there is no bog standard normal it's yeah. just you know working towards say it it depends on the baby yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. we definitely need t-shirts and oh the other one oh what i was going to say the other one i get quite a lot of oh you know it's so easy to look through things through a lens so that there it's everything an ancestral night it's, it's all to do with the food or it's all to do with wind or it's all to do with naps or it's all to do with how they go to sleep so quite often um if they're slamming their legs or they're moving around a little bit that that can be very natural normal baby behavior but if yeah. you're worried about food and wind every little leg lift you're panicking that there's something you know there's something up there that you need to be working on so yeah. an episode on that I think would be really helpful Brilliant. yeah and because you know what and I actually had this conversation during a consultation last week and and the um the mums had said to me oh we're really concerned because at meal times the baby is making this noise and you know she's clearly really and then this the baby was making this noise and I said is that the noise you're talking about and they said yeah and I said that is that is just the normal baby noise yeah. and I think you know what I'm 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 really sorry because I feel like we were going to get through a whole episode without talking about COVID but <laughs> I feel like that is something that we can attribute to COVID because so many new parents have never been in a room with lots of other babies and they don't know what is normal and that for me is really heartbreaking because we've got parents that feel anxiety over things that are just so normal they just don't know it yeah I get the same like they were going oh they're really 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 upset and they are uh, really really crying and then they'll give me like or they're making a weird noise you know they're they they're asking for support or they're in pain and then I'd be like if uh, parents are always the experts so if you're telling me your child is in pain or they're crying chances are that is what's going on but send over a video just in case and then I'll hear on the monitor wah wah yeah 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 <laughs> And I'm just like, it's just normal. Like, they're just, it's normal, just completely yeah. normal. Please do the noise that that, what the baby was doing, because that might help some people. She was just kind of going, uh... really, to me, she was exploring her voice. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes that can be tired talk as well, when, when it's like that one kind of uh, noise, that can also be when, they, when they're getting a bit tired as well. Okay. Good to know. Interesting. Yes. But, yeah, but very, very normal. <laughs> I love it that we're yeah. now imitating babies. I think we should leave it there, Lucy. <laughs> yes, with yeah. my baby. Cool. Well, if anybody else wants to find out more about the services, what you offer, the early years dietitian, where can they find you? So they can find me online at theearlyyearsdietitian.co.uk. They can find me on Instagram, um, and I am just the early years dietitian. And then I am on Facebook as well. So I have a closed community um, Facebook group, which, again, is the Early Years Dietitian, where I do kind of lots of, you know, videos and people can post their questions. It's kind of a support group. So, yeah, those are the three main ways of finding me. Amazing. I, and I'll put them in the show notes as well, because I'm definitely no. not going to remember them. I'll write them down and put them in the show notes. <laughs> Lucy, thank you so, so much for coming on, talking to me and sharing your amazing insight, your job joy and all your amazing knowledge. And I really hope you can come back soon. Oh, thank you. It's been such a pleasure, honestly. And yes, let's definitely um, let's do it again soon. It's, it's a pleasure. Yeah, definitely. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening to me, your host Kerry Secker, on the Carry Out Sleep Show. I really hope you found this podcast episode reassuring, informative, but most importantly, it helps you and your small to a more settled night's sleep the caring way. If you did, please don't forget to subscribe to the show below, leave me some feedback, or share it with a parent pal. I love hearing that you love listening. My next podcast episode will be available in two weeks' time. But if you really can't wait that long, please come and find me over on Instagram at Consultant. I update my sleep squares and speak about sleep there on the daily. Big love and sleep solidarity. Until next time.